Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep our history alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today on Living Heritage, we're going to be talking to folklorist Dr. Anna Carney-Guinier about the new CD, Doughboys and Molasses O. Doughboys and Molasses O offers listeners a fresh perspective on the musical heritage of the Grossmorn region on Newfoundland's west coast. Available on disc and digital download, the album features 22 carefully restored tracks originally recorded from local singers by folk song researchers in the mid-20th century. Also included are four new performances specially commissioned for the compilation from musicians Nita Best, Matthew Byrne, Daniel Payne, and Jim Payne. I reached Anna at her home, and we talked about the new CD. So welcome back to the show, uh, Anna. We've got, got a new project to talk to you about, uh, Doughboys and Molasses O, which is, I think is a, a fantastic title for, uh, for the project. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit, well, maybe just introduce yourself uh, before we begin, for, for those that don't know you. Yeah, well, um, I'm Anna Carney-Guinye, and uh, I'm a folklorist by trade, an independent folklorist. So I like to collaborate with various people to do projects, um, or I do projects independently. Um, people might know uh, my most uh, recent publication, which was The Forgotten Songs of the Newfoundland Outports. Um, so I like to, um, yeah, I just like to pull musical publications and other kinds of things that are pertinent to Newfoundland together and get them out there. And this project is done in collaboration with MMAP at Moon, the Music, Media and Place uh, program. And yes. you've worked with them before on other other projects, have yes, you? Yeah. I, yeah, I have. I'm actually um, an adjunct professor with the School of Music. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, almost 10 years ago now, we I collaborated with them on the North Atlantic Fiddle Convention, which we brought from uh, Aberdeen to Newfoundland. And it was a huge success. I it was, was yeah. very pleased. Yeah. Um, over 90 workshops, a whole week of uh, concerts, and um, also... Um, um, uh, yeah, just great fiddlers from both sides of the Atlantic uh, and a conference to boot. So, so I've done things with them um, um, and uh, it's been a, a really good experience for me and I, and I think for them. So um, in uh, 2017, I was doing a, a, um, a presentation at the Lobster Cove Lighthouse. Uh, Anita Best had asked me out. They were doing a, a sort of a lighthouse series. And um, one of the singers that's on the CD, Annie Walters, had grown up in the lighthouse. Um, so that's what I decided to focus my energies on. Um, and she was one of the singers that Kenneth Peacock had uh, visited when he was in the park area in 1958 and 59. Wow. Um, so when I was pulling that together, I kind of realized, you know, there's very little out in the park area or even along the Great Northern Peninsula directly associated to the music of that region. And uh, of course, having done my PhD on Kenneth Peacock, I was really aware of the wealth of material that he had collected, almost 300 songs plus from just four communities. And also there were other uh, individuals, Elizabeth Greenleaf, who we can talk about if you like, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, doctors Herbert Halpert and John Whittison. So there's, you know, from the 1920s right up until the 1970s, there's this ma magnificent cache of musical material and uh, all of it 
pretty well, um, for the most part, lying in archives. Right. And so, so, and so relatively, relatively unknown outside of the yeah, region, as you were saying. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Elizabeth. Um, so um, Elizabeth Greenleaf's publication is downloadable on the web for those people that would like to um, get access to it via the Digital Archive Initiative. But Peacock's publication is uh, long uh, uh, out of pub. It's, it was published in 1965, so it's no longer available. Um, and uh, Herbert Halpert and John Whittison, while people would know them for their magnificent publication, Folk Tales of Newfoundland, mm-hmm. um, they, of course, didn't know anything about uh, their musical endeavors. And then, of course, Herbert Halpert had gone back in 1971 to record additional singers. So while there, there is music available in the region, um, these are CDs. Uh, uh, Daniel Payne has done the four stops. That's one wonderful CD. Um, but for the most part, it's the material doesn't really relate to the to the Great Northern Peninsula. Um, and uh, so I thought, well, here's an opportunity. So I flew the idea past one of the uh, Shirley Aylward, who was the uh, uh, coordination interpreter, uh, interpretation coordinator. And she said, well, submit a proposal. And then I approached uh, the Research Center for Music, Media and Place. Um, I had already collaborated with the museum, the Canadian Museum of History on a previous publication. And uh, so the whole thing came together quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we were MMAP provided the opportunity for the digit for remastering the digitized material um, that that we had on the CD. Uh, from both Halpert and uh, Wittison and Kenneth Peacock. And then because Elizabeth Greenleaf had, although she had created a, a magnificent collection, all of her music was confined to a publication. So we then decided um, uh, to approach four singers who could interpret her work for the CD. So there's, uh, I think, 22 tracks. Is that right? On the on the CD itself? 26. 20, some, yeah. <laughs> something in the 20s. 20, and, yeah, 26, four of which are contemporary singers. So oh, what okay. I yeah. wanted to do was to um, was to uh, expand the knowledge of the material to include communities that had gone beyond what Peacock had presented. Um, so Peacock really collected in Rocky Harbor, St. Paul's, um, uh, Belburns, and Parsons Pond. Just those four communities, he was able to acquire over 300 songs. And of course, many people would know the Bennett family, which are located smack in the middle of those communities. And um, the Bennetts would travel up the coast and down the coast. And of course, they just learned a prolific absorption of, of song material. Um, so, so that's partial representation of what was there. Herbert Halpert and John Whittison went to Cowhead um, and interviewed uh, uh, the, the Paynes, and they had also gone back to Parsons Pond and re-interviewed um, um, Becky Bennett, not Becky Bennett, uh, Charlotte Decker, and, and some additional singers in the area. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, Elizabeth Greenleaf in uh, 1920 and in 1921 and 29, she had spent considerable time uh, in the community of, uh, she was based out of Sally's Cove, but was very familiar with people in the Rocky Harbor area through uh, the the um, uh, Endicott family connections. So um, 
so really what was coming out of this was a, a fuller representation of the wealth of the, of the song tradition of the region. So uh, you're saying that the songs are about the region specifically. Can, can you give me a sense of what, what kind of topics they, they might cover? Well, they're, they're, they, they are, I would say, from the region being, um, these are songs that came to the Grossmorn area through various ways. So you would have logging songs mm. uh you would have songs about incidents in in along the coastline so wreck of the ethy for example is an example of that or dance at daniel's harbor um uh, songs that would have been brought over from the west country of england be, are there so uh the song oh 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 uh, oh no not i uh there's a music hall song um which i absolutely love um Goodbye, John, but don't stop long to me, old chickadee. And it, it's, um, you know, how does I remember when I was uh, doing my graduate studies at Memorial, sitting down and listening to all of Peacock's field recordings. And uh, and of course, you know, when you think uh, the Bennett's just one song after another, after another. And then out of the blue comes this song, this music hall song. And I thought, is that that's not a traditional song. And I, of course, uh, very quickly reshape my ideas about what traditional song is all about mm -hmm. in, in these communities, because uh, it was a performance piece um, that uh, uh, that uh, Freeman Bennett absolutely loved to do. And you can hear in the recording the laughter in the background. So you have th that kind of song. Uh, you have songs that uh, uh, come from uh, the country and Western tradition. So when we, what I feel is that when we look at, at New what makes up the song tradition of Newfoundland and Labrador, it's not homogeneous. It's not the same everywhere. It really is based on settlement patterns, on work patterns, on uh, access to uh, musical influences, whether it's print or uh, radio. So in the Gross Morn region, the songs that are in that region are reflective of all of those characteristics. And in creating the CD, I wanted to give a sampling of that kind of material. So there's even a Christmas song, which we don't often think of, um, but it's a it's a really old, a good old Christmas song coming from the West Country where Charlotte Decker's family originated. Um, and it's only one of three examples in Newfoundland. And it's the first time this particular piece has ever ended up being available on CD. Amazing, um, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I've always felt strongly about is that material, it's nice for us as folklorists or historians or archaeologists to collect. It's great to do that collecting, but what's the point of that collecting if it doesn't go back to the community in some way, shape or form? And uh, certainly when the CD was released, uh, the feedback coming from the community was uh, was really exciting for me to hear that people were saying, I, you know, I was listening. I spent the whole day listening to that CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think there's something special about that particular region uh, in terms of its uh, retention of, of this kind of music? Or was it just better documented than other regions of the province? Good, it's a good question. I think it's better documented. I think anywhere you go in Newfoundland and Labrador, you are going to find people that are going to gather around 
a space, whether it's a shed or a kitchen, and they are going to sing and they are going to joke and they're going to tell stories. In this case, we are fortunate because um, Elizabeth Greenleaf uh, entered the Sally's Cove as a Grenfell mission worker in 1920. And um, she had been influenced by hearing John Lomax, the American collector John Lomax, talk about folk songs. So she got up to dance to a dance to um, Sally's Cove, and one of the very first songs that she heard was a song called "Thomas and Nancy." It's a, a broadside ballad. And she describes in her publication the young men of the community shuffling outside of her window, singing this song for her. And uh, she had the ability to take down music. And she was actually the kind of personality that was really interested in everything around her. So she made lots of notes on things. Um, and uh, so so we have in broad in her publication, uh, Ballads and Sea Songs of Newfoundland, we have the very first publication of Newfoundland music that includes of, of uh, traditional songs that includes both the music and the lyrics and her notes about the music and lyrics and her experiences of living along the coast. So we start with her and then we have Kenneth Peacock who came back and went to the coast in 1958 and 59. Um, and then he made one more stop in 1961 to, to visit Annie Walters who he became friends with. And it's through his experiences because if you know his publications he lists a song he lists a PEA number he lists the community and he lists the singer and when Herbert Halpert and John Widdowson uh, came along in um, 19 the late 1960s they had access to Peacock's collection and they thought well we'll go up the coast and we'll see what we can find and of course Peacock was focused on just folk songs uh, but they documented riddles and folk tales and added to the genealogical information that was missing from the Peacock collection. So in this particular region, we're fortunate because there has been from, from 1920 right up until the late, you know, the, the 1971 or so, you have the, you know, this layering of information about the musical tradition in that region. I guess I'll put me in there too. <laughs> because you might as well, uh, yes, you're in distinguished you know, company, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, uh, when I um, uh, started to work on the Peacock collection, I like I had discovered that collection much as a lot of other people had done. In a you know I picked it up in a drugstore for thirty dollars, and started learning songs. And and I you know I the Peacock collection. Oh yeah, I, but who's Peacock? So um, when I started to work on the dissertation, uh, I was able to interview Kenneth Peacock and people in his milieu about his collecting experiences. And I was also able to go back to the coast and to interview Becky Bennett, for one, uh, Annie Walters, uh, one or two others, and to also work on who was connected to who. Uh, so from my own research, and the, the third thing that I did was to take his entire collection and to see what he published and what he didn't publish. And so that's where the, this um, Forgotten Songs of the Newfoundland Outports comes from. But mm -hmm. he wouldn't have published Goodbye, John, uh, but Don't Stop Long. He would not have published the country and western tune, uh, The Brave Engineer. And he would not have pu published, uh, well, he just didn't publish uh, Dances at Daniels Harbor. These are three that are on the CD um, because they didn't really fit into his notion of what a folk song was. But we have that material because he was... 
uh, astute enough to use his tape recorder and to basically document everything that was coming his way. So in my own uh, assessment of what he collected and published versus what he collected and didn't publish, there too was an, a new perspective on the kinds of material that he, that he was able to avail of in the Gross Morn region. Um, and also just filling in the gaps on, on some of the songs that were there and what happened to some of these songs. So Wreck of the Ethi, um, Elizabeth Greenlee, for example, uh, published it in um, Ballads and Sea Songs, and, and it does end up in one of the Gerald S. Doyle songbooks. Um, but then we actually have a recording uh, of uh, Wreck of the Ethi. Uh, Jim Payne was kind enough to sing this performance of the song for us this go around because the audio recording wasn't the best but it's an example of a song that was about an incident in 1920 that was still popular when peacock was there in 1958 and 59 and it's of course still popular today Mm -hmm. 100 years 100 years later yeah 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 yeah. and and really pertinent and i think this is the thing that i've always found interesting about working with song material uh, and I think the Gross Morn region is really typical of this, is that people's memories are long. They will remember who composed the song. They will remember the incidents about the song. Um, and so you start to build up, if you start to work with a cache of, of song material, you do begin to learn a lot about how that song material fits into the daily lives of people. So Doughboys and the Lasses O is a really classic example of that because um, I was going to call it, I don't know, the songs of the gross morn region. You know, it was supposed to be a really mundane title. And then <laughs> I heard this song, Doughboys and Molasses O. And it's, it sells. It, yeah. It's oh, great. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great a great title. Tune. And, you know, hear this, hearing the step dance uh, in behind the Payne family, and when you hear the full interview with Herbert Halpert, uh, all of a sudden, you know, these people are talking to Halpert about the way of life before electricity, mm. how they would entertain themselves in their community. Be- how, you know, they, they, were, they were a large family uh, of brothers. These were three brothers uh, uh, and their wives uh, all at the same time when Herbert Halpert and John Lewison were there. And so, uh, you know, you hear Winton Payne doing the step dancing and you hear uh, the, the the final song, which is um, uh, uh, Down Among the Rushes O. Um, so it's like one step dance after another, after another, after another. Uh, and it was just, just gorgeous. And the rhythmic feel of it is just, it, it really inspires you to appreciate how integral music is to that particular region, as it is to other regions of the province. It's just that we're fortunate enough that we actually have this material available to us mm-hmm. for such, so much material. So how do you decide what not to include? You, you have this wealth of, you know, wealth <laughs> of material. You've got 26 tracks. How do you, what happens to the other, you know, 270 songs that don't, don't make it onto the CD? Well, uh, first of all, that's a really good question, Dale, because uh, listening to the material that's there, um, I would have loved to have put on uh, 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 Freeman Bennett's uh, Nancy, which is, uh, goes on for a half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) 
just couldn't do it. But it's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful uh, song. Uh, and as his wife, uh, Becky, uh, said, you, you wants to have a wonderful memory to sing that song. Um, so it's, it's one that's in the tradition. It's there in the archive. But unfortunately, time and limitations. So, uh, so that was the first category. Um, secondly, uh, the quality of the recording. Sometimes you have collaborative a collaborative interview and I'm sure from your own personal experiences out in the field somebody starts off trying to remember a song like Bright Phoebe and then somebody interrupts and said ah oh, that's not quite the way it goes and then you could have a conversation for 10 minutes on how the song goes which is tricky so um, we did certainly include comments we certainly did include laughter we certainly did include all the audio that goes along with with these songs being in situ in the field. But we had to look at the quality of the recording. And, um, um, you know, sometimes you might have a, a child really bellowing out in the background and it blurs the sound. Um, I wanted to give a representation of the kinds of music that were in the region. So even something like the country and Western music hall, local composition, broadside ballad, uh, child ballad, um, you know, it's really a, it's really a sampling of what's out there. Um, and then I wanted to make sure that there was space for the green leaf material, because this is the first time her music, her collecting has had a focus uh, of any particular kind. So, um, I took a big leap um, and asked uh, Daniel Payne, Jim Payne, Matthew Byrne, and Anita Best to perform four songs from that collection. And I also asked them to do them a cappella, to forget the instruments, just sing them, which is the way these songs have been sung. And, uh, and they do a stellar job. It's amazing. And were these songs that were already in their repertoire or did they did they come to these songs fresh um well they there everybody knows uh i know matthew byrne did know uh daniel payne uh, did the 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 wreck of the jubilee as well um uh so they they know these song singers know their material yes yes (laughs) yes very well. That's probably have, an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> I have such a great regard for our singers, our our Newfoundland and Labrador singers, because they really are the carriers of uh, of, a, of a wonderful tradition. And without them, um, you know, we we would have a big void in our. Uh, in our understanding of what we have, because it's also the interpretation. It's not just simply picking up a book and singing it. It's to be able to put your feeling and your emotion into it. Mm-hmm. So you listen to Matthew Burns sing Bold Wolf um, with his beautiful tenor voice. It's, it's incredible. Um, now he's, he knows that song uh, from his, uh, from his family tradition, but I think I, we asked him to go to the Greenleaf material and uh, to use exactly what Dan- Daniel Endicott had employed for that. And likewise, Anita knows from, I think she acknowledges that the Thomas and Nancy, she grew up with that song through her family. Um, Jim Payne knew Rufus Ginsher, who was one of the three individuals who composed uh, the, um, uh, the Wreck of the Ethi. Uh, and uh, Jim had the opportunity to talk with uh, Rufus about that whole 
the melody and the lyrics. So he was really pleased to be able to pick mm. up on that. And Daniel Payne, who comes from Cowhead, uh, he's a multi instrumentalist you know he's he's a he's just a dynamic performer um i don't know if he if he had uh, done the wreck of the jubilee before um but um it it, it you know I, I forgot to ask him actually but it's an amazing performance and it's a local composition by um uh that appears in the johnny burke songster uh, about two men who are uh, lost at sea and they uh, spend a couple of, you know, they are finally brought, uh, brought back uh, and they, you know, lose their legs and one of them loses their legs. It's a real tragedy, um, but it's the way that um, maritime history in particular in Newfoundland is, is so often documented is that uh, the facts of the incident are there in the song. Mm-hmm. Now, if people want uh, to get a copy of the CD, how do they how do they go about doing that? Well, they're very fortunate because MMAP has just made an arrangement with uh, Sing Song Inc., which is owned by Jim Payne, um, to have their entire catalog up online. So uh, uh, they will be able to go directly to Sing Song Inc. and purchase the CD. Jim will make arrangements there, or they can actually purchase individual tracks of the CD. Uh, I would suggest buy the CD and get the booklet that comes with the CD. <laughs> of <that> course, yes. <laughs> includes notes on individual songs as well as uh, individual performers. Uh, which is something that is very important that we uh, we manage to do, uh, highlight who these individuals were and or are. So yeah, so that's uh, so it makes the this is a, a recent change that happened at the end of last year, the end of 2020, and so it's it's very exciting because not only can you get Doughboys and Molasses, oh, you can access uh, lots of other uh, audio productions through that MMAP has uh, successfully brought out for us. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. You're, you're always working on something. Uh, what do you, what's next? What do you got? What's on your, what's on your plate? Well, uh, for a number of years, and I will say years, I've been working on uh, 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 Maud Karpolis's uh, visits to Newfoundland in 1929 and 1930. Um, and uh, uh as you recall from your folk song studies, she always gets a bit of a bad rub. She's always referred to as Cecil Sharp's emanuensis. He, Cecil Sharp is the great English song collector. Um, and, and, and yet she, uh, when she came to Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, she, she in her own right uh, collected a, you know, over 200 songs uh, and her focus was British origin. She left two diaries uh, of her journeys. And um, so what I've done is to transcribe those two diaries so that we see her experiences in a continuous fashion, that we don't cherry pick out the fact that she saw flies or ugly smells or that she's depressed at not finding songs. Rather, what you see is, uh, is the diary of a woman and a, a woman adventurer. Uh, and um, in particular, there's a cache of about 52 songs down on the south coast of Newfoundland, which we often don't hear about, by the way. Um, and these songs, um, to get at those songs, she had to take coastal boat. She had to um, uh, take motorboat, walk from community to community. Uh, and uh, they are interesting because the south coast itself 
uh, its settlement patterns are very much linked to uh, companies like Newman and Company, uh, yes. who bought port yeah. from, uh, you know, got fish, brought back to England, went and got uh, port in uh, in Portugal and brought the port back to Newfoundland. Um, and uh, also had port um, caches in uh, down on the south coast itself. So I'm, I'm fortunate because my colleague, Glenn Colton, uh, who's a, a, a musician with an ethnomusicology interest, Glenn has stepped in to help me uh, transcribe from her notebooks the, the music, and he's helping with the interpretation of, uh, of the songs that she did actually didn't publish or that she published in part. So we've been working at it for a few years, and I'm hoping to have the first draft together in 2021. Uh, and then we just have to find a publisher. And <laughs> the one thing that's exciting about Carpalis, by the way, is that I found a series of photographs at the English Folk Song and Dance Society that she had taken. And this really is exciting because it puts her in the field. It, you know, she's there taking pictures of people in Grohl, for example. So you see uh, Grohl as it looked in 19, uh, 1930. Mm -hmm. And of course, Grohl has been resettled. Um, uh, uh, North River, where she collected a number of songs, uh, the, the McCabe family. So it's it's exciting because uh, I was a been since then, I've been able to talk with family members and to create the biographical information on these people. And so then to put these people back into Carpalis's story. So, so I, have, I have a feeling that a year from now, we'll be having another chat. <laughs> oh God, I hope so. <laughs> I'd like to, yeah, uh, we, we will, you'll keep me to it, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Well, thank you very much for this. Uh, it's always a pleasure having a chat with you and congratulations on the CD. Thank you so much, Dale, and all the best for 2021. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>